What's up, bitches? Welcome to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wade. And we still don't have a fancy intro for you, but we're going to talk about some gnarly shit. Hell yeah. Again. Alright, so for this week's episode, Wade and I decided on National Park Murders as our subject. Um, so as before, I'm just going to do a little bit of background and history on national parks, and then we can each get into our cases. So, the United States has 61 protected areas that are known as national parks. They are owned and operated by the National Park Service and the federal government. And an agency of the Department of the Interior as well. National parks must be established by an act of the United States Congress. They have to uh, create a bill creating the national park. Yosemite was the first one that was ever created, and that bill was signed into law by Ulysses S. Grant in 1872. The Organic Act of 1916 created the National Park Service, and quote, to conserve the scenery and the national and historic objects and wildlife therewithin, and to provide for enjoyment of the same in such a manner and by such means as will leave them unimpaired for the enjoyment of future generations. So basically, we're preserving this land, keep it nice, don't fuck it up for everybody else. Yep, whatever you pack in, pack out, motherfuckers. Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't seem to always happen. I've yelled at many of people. Oh yeah, when I packed out multiple trash, that wasn't mine. We legit bring trash bags with us when we know we're going into the backcountry because it's unavoidable to come across something that's going to piss us off that we have to pack out. Absolutely. If you're in the mountain areas too, shop locally and keep the place clean. Yes, sir. Criteria for the selection of national parks include natural beauty, unique geological features, unusual ecosystems, and recreational opportunities. Those, these criteria are not always considered together. So a park doesn't have to have uh, all of those things to be considered a national park, but some. The national parks are federally re regulated, blah, 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 federally, federally regulated, <laughs> Jesus Christ, which means any crimes committed within them are federal crimes, right off the bat. So, don't bring your pot in there, don't bring your guns, you're gonna get in trouble. The following information I'm gonna go over now, I acquired from an article dated March 4th, 2008, and it was titled, Violent Deaths in National Parks. It was on a website called nationalparkstraveler.org. During 2006, when 273 million visitors toured the parks, 11 deaths were investigated across the park system. Uh, two involved women who had been pushed off cliffs, one at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore and one at Lake Mead National Recreation Area. One was a suicide at Golden Gate National Recreation Area and one was the victim of a DUI accident in Yellowstone National Park. National Park Service records also show that one of the 11 deaths reported in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park involved a stabbing that was spawned by an alcohol-fueled altercation. Great Smoky was also the setting of a fatal shooting of another woman with three others arrested for the crime. Uh, the suicide at Golden Gate involved a man who began shooting at hang gliders. He did not hit any of the hang gliders, but he um, did shoot a stranger during that whole altercation, and then he turned the gun on himself, which is awful. Can you imagine going out for hang gliding and then just being shot at? 
Jeez. It'll be intense. That would be so intense. At the Blue Ridge Parkway, a woman parked at an overlook and wearing headphones while studying for final exams was killed by a handgun by a suspect on a killing spree, the Park Service said. In another case involving the parkway, the body of an individual shot and killed outside the parkway was dumped there. At Amistad National Recreation Area, a woman was found floating in a reservoir in about five feet of water. She appeared to have blunt force trauma to the head and was possibly stabbed, the agency said, which I don't know. She must have been skeletal, because how do you not know if somebody's been stabbed? How is that a possibility? Bloating. She wasn't skeletal. She was in the five feet of water. She Even if she was bloated, then, though, I mean, they could yeah, still but see. Yeah, if you get bloated, then your skin turns thin, and you could have been punctured by numerous other things that were in that body of water. Oh, or... yeah, during decomp, your skin actually swells and you burst. I forgot exactly. about that. Yeah. True. So okay. depending on how long she'd been in there, what objects were in there, blah, blah, blah. That An autopsy sense. of a bloated deceased person, I'm assuming, probably isn't very easy. That'd be a bad day. Mm-hmm. The last two murders were reported in Washington, D.C., uh, in their park area units. In one case, a victim died from a gunshot wound to the head. In the other U.S. park, police found a partial human skull with an apparent gunshot wound on the shoreline of the Anacostia River. A crime that didn't necessarily occur in the park system, um, but near it. So that's all the background I got. I am going to do a shallow dive into a story because it's still developing. It's recent. I'm sure a lot of you guys who are true crime aficionados have read about it or heard about it on the news in the last week or so. And it did happen in the national park system, so I thought it was relevant. This guy's name is James L. Jordan. Um... Like I said, it's a developing story, so I don't have all the details for you, but I'm going to tell you what I have, and what I have is fucking nuts. This guy is 30 years old. He is from Massachusetts, and he was apprehended on May 11, 2019 on the Appalachian Trail uh, at around 6 a.m. He was covered in blood. He was near the George Washington and Jefferson National Park, or National Forest, excuse me. So let's start from the beginning. On May 10th, Friday, Jordan approached four hikers on the trail. These hikers actually recognized Jordan, who had previously seen him on social media threatening other hikers on another area of the Appalachian Trail in Yukoi County, Tennessee. When Jordan approached these four hikers, he was acting, quote, disturbed and unstable. He began singing and playing guitar as he approached the group, which how fucking terrifying is that? They are in the back country, like, in the, they're in the middle of nowhere backpacking, and this guy comes out of the woods carrying a guitar, singing, approaching them. Let's see. So, basically the guys were like, what the fuck? Get away from here. Shoot him off. He left. Later that evening, the group found a place to set up camp. They had set everything up, and Jordan appeared again and attempted to approach them. As he approached their tents, he was making weird-ass noises and threatening to kill them all. Allegedly saying, I'll pour gasoline on you and burn you to death. Jesus Christ, this dude's a psychopath. He's a say, you should see his picture. I will put it on the Facebook and Instagram page. He is so scary. I just, all I'm picturing is David Janelle's husband from... 
15 moments. Oh, my God. That's all I'm picturing is his lengthy ass coming out of the woods playing a guitar. Just psychopath to the max. Fucking oh killing God. dogs and burning tents and shit. Yeah. That's totally David. Yeah. Totally David. If David had blonde hair and no beard, he would actually kind of look like this guy. And I really wish we get popular so he hears me say that. Mm, he might. Fuck you, David Eason. Fuck you, David Eason. Fuck you, David Eason. Yeah. Fuck you, David Eason. Also, I love that my husband watches Teen Mom 2 with me. Okay. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> want to talk shit about that? Bring it up in a debate. It after is. After you listen to our Spotify feed. The best, worst reality TV that I have ever witnessed in my entire life. I love it. All right. So where was I? Uh, threatened to burn them to death. So at this point, the campers are like, we're going to pack up our shit and head out of here. Good call. And as they're packing everything up, two of the hikers, which were the male hikers of the group, chased the dude off again. So got him to leave. After this happened, Jordan returned again as they were trying to get out of there and stabbed a male victim to death after an argument had ensued. Because I can imagine he walked up again and this guy was like, what the fuck, dude? Get out of here. Like, you're scaring us. Started fighting. Dude stabbed him. I don't have the male victim's name at this time while we're recording because uh, it's still developing, so they haven't released that yet. But while this is happening, there was a female victim witnessing this, and when she saw the male victim hit the ground, she took off running. Jordan actually caught up to her because she began to tire out after running a few miles. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I have nothing to say. So, I'm waiting for you to continue the story. He, he catches up to her. She said she put her hands up as if to surrender to Jordan, and Jordan stabbed her in the torso multiple times. This fucking queen was smart enough while she was getting stabbed to think, I need to play dead. So she acted like she was deceased, and he ran off to find his dog, is what he was mumbling to himself. She laid there for as long as she could, um, to when she was, you know, almost sure that he was gone and she got up, took off out of there, came across two hikers and those two hikers assisted her in the six miles back to cell service so they could call 911. What a savage. She's a fucking is. queen. I don't have info on what happened to the other two people. I assume that they got out of there and they survived. But like I said, we don't, we don't have all the details yet on this, but I just thought that was so fucking nuts, and that girl's so badass that I strong. had to tell it. Yeah, yeah she wanted to live. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now my story. My story this week I did on Carrie Stainer. And I will say, this dude started off fucking rough. Yeah, he did. I read a little bit about him. Yeah, he had, he had quite the childhood. So we'll start there. I mean, yeah. Or the absent of a childhood, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it was still his childhood, though. He just had a lot of bad shit happen to him. Yeah, then he wasn't a child. Okay. <laughs> Carrie Stainer was born on August 13th in 1961 in Merced, California. So another semi-local story to us. He was convicted of the murders of four women between February and July of 1999. On December 4th, 1972, <clears throat> this is during his childhood, he was born in 1961, so he was, what, 11 at the time? Stainer's younger brother, Stephen, who was age 7 at the time, was abducted from their Merced, California home by child molester Kenneth Parnell. And it gets crazier. His abductor held Stephen, his little brother, 
200 miles away for seven fucking years in Mendocino, California. Jesus. Seven years. Stephen was able to escape after those seven years and was reunited with his family. Um, Stephen had books and a made-for-TV movie written about him called I Know My First Name is Stephen. So he has put some of the details out there of his abduction and escape. And basically it sounds like, obviously this dude that abducted him was a pedophile. And once Steven started getting around age 14, which is when he escaped, he had hit puberty. And this guy just wasn't really interested in him anymore. And was actually using Steven to try and recruit another captor for him. So just a really bad, really fucked up situation. But he did get reunited with his family, which is great. But unfortunately, tragedy stuck, struck again when Stephen passed away in a motorcycle accident in 1989. He was only 23 years old. Poor kid. Yeah, so after surviving all that, getting back to his family in 1980, being reunited, you know, then just a couple of years later, he, uh, nine years later, he died in a motorcycle accident. And Stainer did state later that he had fantasized about murdering women since he was seven, which is long before any of this stuff happened with his little brother. So that kind of negates, you know, his brother's abduction having anything to do with this. His psychological issues, at least. But then also his victims were women, so why would it have anything to do with his brother? I was like, I understand I just mean maybe it fucked him up psychologically, that's all I was saying. True. Um, The following year after his brother passed away, Stainer was staying with his Uncle Jesse, and his Uncle Jesse was murdered. I tried to do some research to look into that. I really couldn't find any information, but it's like, so Stainer didn't murder him, right? Because that wasn't stated anywhere, but this dude got murdered. Yeah. I mean, if any of you listeners know anything about it or do any research, send us an email or Facebook post. Let us know. Yeah, Yeah. please. I'm really interested in that. Um, But that dude got whacked. So it was a really, really hard couple of years for Stainer. Stainer later on made claims that his Uncle Jesse that he was living with did molest him during the time that his brother Stephen was kidnapped. Again, I don't know how much credence um, that holds, but it was something that he had stated. He was reported to have attempted suicide in 1991, which, again, I can kind of see he probably was in a bad spot in his life. Uh, But he was also arrested in 1997, a little time after that, on possession of marijuana. Oh, Oh, marijuana! And methamphetamine, which, yeah. No, no. (laughs) Meth is bad. Should have led with that one. Yeah. Uh, Charges were later dropped, but he obviously had an issue, at least at some point in his life, with the meth and freight Also in 1997, Stainer was hired as a handyman at Cedar Lodge Motel in El Portal, California. My husband and I here have driven past that motel many times. Mm-hmm. This motel lies at the Highway 140 entrance of Yosemite National Park, so it's right there on the park line. Literally, it cuts the park line. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. right there. So three quarters of it is in the park. Three quarters of it is out, or a quarter of it is out. A lot of the people that stay there are tourists because it's so close. It's right there. Yeah, and it's got I to me the best entrance into the park. Southgate isn't really that great off 41. It's not. 120's nice when you're getting into the park. Anything else outside the park isn't that great because it's pretty much desert. No, 140's beautiful. That drive in there is gorgeous. 
Between February and uh, July of 1999, 120. 120. He murdered two women and two teenage girls. So how many months is that? Two to seven, five months. He murdered four people. Um, again, I'm going to say the name and ages of the victims like I did last episode because I feel like that's the least that they deserve. Carol Sund, 42. Her daughter, Julie Sund, 15. Julie's friend, Silvina Pelasso. She's a 16-year-old Argentinian exchange student. And Julie Ruth Armstrong. Actually, I'm so sorry. Joey Ruth Armstrong. She was employed at the Yosemite Institute as a nat uh, naturalist. The first two victims, Carol and Sylvina, were found in the trunk of Carol's Pontiac rental car. The vehicle had been torched, and their bodies were burned past recognition. So they were burned so badly, the only way they could identify their bodies was through dental records. Following the discovery of Carol and Sylvina, a note with a hand-drawn map was sent to police. A spot on the map indicating the location of the third of his victims, Julie, was there in the note. And at the top of the note, it read, we had fun with this one. Julie was the daughter, correct? Correct. Ugh. Ugh. Fucking creep. Fucking creep. Investigators went to the location indicated on the map to find Julie's remains. Uh, her throat had been slashed. Detectives started interviewing Cedar Lodge Motel employees uh, because all of the victims were staying at the motel at the time of their death. One of the employees interviewed was actually Stainer, so they did take him in for questioning, but he played it cool during the interrogation and the police interview, or excuse me, not interrogation, during the police interview. He had no criminal history, so he was not determined to be a suspect at that time, which kind of proved to be fatal. Joey Ruth Armstrong was Stainer's last and final victim, and she was found after this note was sent and Julie's body was found, and Joey was completely decapitated. Her head was not connected to her body anymore at all, which that takes some strength. Yeah, You're mentally and at physically. that shit, yeah. Ooh. Even just to stab somebody, I hear it's, it's a mental fuck, but you can't. You can't change, you know, it changes you after you do that. You can't come back from it. So just to think about somebody decapitating somebody is beyond me. Yeah. And I think any normal person would feel that way. So if you don't feel that way, please go get yourself some mental health. Checks. Well, and this girl's 26 years old. Like, yeah. she's a young woman. Yeah. Um, where was I? So they, they interviewed Stainer. He wasn't considered to be a suspect. They found uh, Joey decapitated. And this is where Stainer fucked up. Because he was tied to this murder by eyewitnesses who had seen a 1979 International Scout. Do you know what that is? Oh. It's a car of some sort. Or oh, a truck or something. Oh, yeah. International Scout. Yeah. I know what it is. Like the Manufacturer's International? Yeah. Manufacturer's International and the model is a Scout. And they have Scout too. They're actually pretty cool trucks. I'm sorry, guys. I have a vagina. I don't yeah. know any of this They're stuff. like Bronco, like an 80s Bronco. Uh, okay. All yeah. right. That makes cool. more sense, actually, now that They're I'm only that. made for a certain amount of time, and then international is still around, but they make like 18-wheelers and shit like that. Well, that would make sense. So this was a, a pretty unique car, then. Yeah, it okay. was. 
So it was a unique vehicle. Eyewitnesses saw this car parked in front of the cabin where Joey was staying at. Um, and because it's kind of a small area up there, I'm sure everybody knows what kind of car everybody else drives. And this one was so unique that, bam, they had their man. So detectives traced the vehicle back to Stainer. And just like that, there's their main suspect. FBI agents John Bowles and Jeff Renick tracked him down at a nudist resort named Laguna de Sol in Wilton. He was apprehended and taken to Sacramento for questioning. Nudist resort, huh? I had no idea there was one in Wilton. I don't want to see people's dicks swinging about. Okay, then that's why we don't live in a nudist colony. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, you're totally fine with hopping in hot springs, completely butt-ass naked. So what's the difference? Yeah, because I only see dangly old man dicks for a second while they're getting in, and then that's it. It's not like I'm watching them. Anyways, way off subject. Let's Just imagine a naked dude jogging. Okay. I don't want that <laughs> image, you fuck. God damn it. Okay, nudist. I don't want to see myself run naked. Like, fuck. I want to see you run naked. Oh, you are so sweet. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs> so they tracked him down. Nearest colony was called Laguna de Sol. Took him down to Sacramento. And during his interrogation, he shocked the detectives by not only admitting to Joey's murder and decapitation, but also taking responsibility for the murder of Carol, um, Selvina, and Julie. He told them he had made and sent the hand-drawn map that had shown police where Julie's body was earlier on in the case. Fun fact, during the interrogation, Stainer attempted to negotiate with the FBI detectives. And before he made his confession, he basically said, All right, I'll give you your confession, but I want some child pornography in exchange. Huh. I'm not kidding. That is fucking ridiculous. I'm not kidding. Please don't tell me the FBI was cool with it. Absolutely not. They okay. were like, fuck you, bro. And then he just confessed anyways. Okay. No. Good, 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 no. good. And I don't know if that was a play to try and make himself feel more, or seem more crazy, or if he just really was that crazy. I don't, I don't know. But I read that in multiple places, so that definitely happened. Definitely happened. Stainer claimed that his victims were actually substitutes. His intention initially was to murder his girlfriend and her two daughters. But he chickened out at the very end because he is a pussy-ass bitch and a male caretaker lived on his girlfriend's property. So he was scared of getting caught and getting his ass beat. But, I mean, you parked your super unique vehicle right in front of the cabin where you were decapitating someone. So, like, obviously you weren't that scared. That's true. So, I don't know. But Stainer claimed that the weekend before the first slaying that he committed in February 1999, his murderous fantasies had become so intense that he had prepared a murder-slash-rape kit. And brace yourself, it included rope, a roll of duct tape, a drill, a serrated kitchen knife, a gun, and a camera. Jesus. It's kind of like Ted Bundy. Yeah, kind of. Or Israel Keys. Yeah. He would, like, bury his raping kill kit so he would just have everything there and be ready to go. Which the amount of forethought that goes into that is especially terrifying. Yeah. Didn't he dig his graves beforehand, too? 
No, but he scouted out where he was going to oh, take okay. his victims and stuff. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was going to do and where he was going to go. That's insane. Yeah. So after creating his rape kit, he eventually zeroed in on Carol and the two young girls, mostly because the young girls were beautiful and they did not have a male, you know, counterpart with them, which is fucked up. We can't even go outside by ourselves. Like, jeez. He tricked them into letting him into their room after posing as a maintenance man. So saying he needed to go in and fix something. He brandished a gun. He bound and gagged all three of the women. And led Carol into the bathroom where he strangled her and put her in the trunk of her rental car. Jesus. Which, again, so he just strangled the older one. Yeah. And wanted to have his way with the young girls. Like, fuck you. Fuck you, dude. <clears throat> he then ripped the clothes off of the two young women and sexually tortured them for hours, including attempting to force them to perform sex acts on each other. And they're 15 years old. They might have still been virgins. Stainer became frustrated after six or seven hours by the lack of cooperation from his victims, which, yeah... And his inability to maintain an erection. Haha, <laughs> your dick doesn't work. Universe is smiting you. Don't be a horrible human being. He then strangled Sylvina and placed her in the trunk of the rental car with Carol. He again began sexually assaulting Julie. Then drove her to Lake Don Pedro, which I've fished at many times. There he slashed her throat and threw her off the roadside. Trial and conviction. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity. He cited sexual abuse and mental illness as his defense. Um, fortunately, the jury was like, yeah, fuck you, dude, and found him sane and convicted him on four counts of first-degree murder. And this happened on August 22nd, 2002. During the death penalty phase, he was sentenced to death row. He, It's more of a symbolic thing nowadays in California though to be placed on death row he more than likely will never see the inside of the death chamber in our state in Cali we're basically in a perpetual uh, stay of executions so that means that all the executions have been put on hold since 2006 this happened after a court ruling found flaws in the administration of capital punishment in the state of California, which there were a lot of botched executions. There was a lot of issues getting the medications needed for um, execution. So this dude's probably just going to either get stabbed to death, which is what he deserves in prison, or die of natural causes. All right, babe. That's it. That's Carrie. Mr. Carrie. Mr. Carrie. And I'm pretty sure that majority of uh, death row inmates, they actually do die of natural causes or suspicion of death is not determined. And they kind of just, it's a wash. Do you know if all death row inmates are segregated separately? Like, do they have yeah, their own cells? De yeah, they're on death row. And they don't get out as much are. either, so they're literally just in a cell by themselves all day, every day. Yeah, it's complete isolation. Good. They get different amenities. Like what? You get better food. Why? They're on death row. They deserve to be on death row. Yeah, but it's inhumane to give somebody the death penalty. It's also inhumane to fucking depend. decapitate someone. 
Absolutely. And that's why the officer that arrested him should just fucking shot him in the back of the head. I mean, it's not worth the officer's job, but yeah. Yeah, but he probably would have became chief of the police department. <laughs> yeah, actually, in the area we live in. So my case is about Zion National Park. Or Yay. it's a case that it was in National Park Zion. Okay. And me and Bree haven't been there before, but I really want to go. And I always wanted to go on this one trail. Oh, no, you're going to ruin it for me. I'm not going to ruin it for you because as I was reading this case, I actually found out that the case is solved. But the ending and the conviction is pretty fucking weak. And it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Oh, okay. So, my title of this case is called, Is Greed to be Blamed in the Murder Trial? I love that you named your case. Absolutely. Okay. And it's about Patricia Batranian. Batranian? I always, I suck at names. I'm, I swear to God, I suck at names. I'm so sorry to Betranian. anybody. Batranian? 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 Botterini. <laughs> See? I told you. It's Italian. It's Italian. I told you. Alright, this case is solved, like I said. As I was doing my research, it seemed that a lot of people, like myself, still think this verdict is not right at all. So, as I was doing my research, like I said, it caught my case. and caught mean, case? It caught my attention. <laughs> Sorry. And, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, so I'm just going to get into it. Okay. And, and I do I do want your guys' feedback on this, absolutely. And at the end of the and episode, I'm going to go over all the ways you can contact us. FYI. Perfect, yeah. Because I do want to know if you guys think this is an accident or if it is a murder. I I honestly think this motherfucker <gasps> is, is bad. I know what it so, is. So, while on a hike on May 7th, 1997, James... Batrini, what was you say? Batterini. Batterini, he's forty-three, and Patricia Batterini, thirty-six. They're from uh, Medford, New Jersey, and they actually traveled to Vegas, then rented a car, then drove to Zion, and they were on like a two-day hiking trip. That seems way out of the way, but okay. It does, and it's gonna get really weirder once I get in further. And. Uh, James' first version of his story was that the couple was hiking on Angel's Landing Trail. Mm. And after uh, a f about three quarters, so about three miles up the trail, he heard a howl and he turned around and his wife was just gone. But later, James stated that him and his wife were trekking the, the Observation Point Trail and that he had not only heard his wife slip, but turned and watched her slide down the rock, screaming for him to do something. He said everything was happening so fast, she was just gone. He said there was nothing he could do. I say fuck that, because honestly, if I saw my wife laying on this fucking edge of the trail, hanging for her life, we both would have been going down. Absolutely, because I would have drove after your ass. But he, he told two separate stories to police? Yeah, to National Park investigators, okay. actually. It was like, it's, I guess they have like a special... Like the same day? Yeah, same day. So what the fuck? I know I Do got a better. Little... Exactly, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Lie better. So unfortunately, Patricia did fall to her death about 500 feet down, and they were roughly three miles into an eight-mile trail. The oh. observation trail is four in, four out. They're about three miles in. Okay. On the way in, 
and uh, Robert Falk and his group of six other people actually encountered James on his way down from the from the observation trail. And uh, James had told the group that his wife had fallen and he could not find them. When Falk found Patricia, he said it was not something anyone should see. It was instantly a situation where he knew we wouldn't be able to help her. Falk immediately tried dissuading James from coming any closer while he walked towards the woman lying about 15 feet away from him. As Falk knelt down to verify his suspicions, he heard James's foot, uh, footsteps behind him, and he knew that at that point James obviously saw her body. And Didn't even react. He, no, little emotions at the site, like little emotions, to where the fact the only thing that he did do was throw a rock at a pack of vultures circling above. That was literally his only reaction. He wasn't upset, didn't cry, didn't show any facial recognition, you know, anything like that. Just threw a rock at some vultures that were circling above. I, I know this. And Falk was really, he was really turned off by this because he, 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 he stated in his testimony that it was very odd. And once I read four more lines, you're going to understand exactly why. I know this podcast isn't about us and murderers are not like normal people, but when you're married to someone, generally speaking, that's your best friend. Like, if I witnessed that, I would literally go jump off that cliff. Like, there's no way Absolutely. I would be consolable and, in the any other, way. The other thing is, too, is a lot of these murderers, they, they think they're going to get away with shit, but they don't think about it completely. Like, if this guy really was attempting to murder his wife on a trail in a national park... Don't you think he'd be freaking the fuck out? Yeah. Don't you think that would be one of his many steps into accomplishing his goal of committing murder and getting away with it? I, I should say one thing, though. Everybody does grieve differently. Yeah. So I'm not trying to talk shit, and I know everybody wouldn't react to that the way that I react to it. But that's weird. Yeah. It was really weird. Because she had fallen, so I'm sure she was bent all kinds of crazy way. Like, I'm sure mm -hmm. it wasn't. It didn't just look like yeah. she was sleeping. Like. And Patricia's husband, he didn't even help the Falks, uh, or help Falk or his group plan the search for Patricia, uh, per Patricia or even, like, yell her name as they were searching for it. What the fuck? That was the weirdest thing ever. And once uh, Falk actually found Patricia, he... Uh, Patricia's body was found on a steep cliff a little bit above the tra above the trail that they were searching on that was below observation uh, observing I can't even talk observation about. thank you <laughs> you're welcome yeah Jack Daniels got a hold of me on that one mm, this is booze bullshit yeah, that is very true <laughs> and uh he actually she was found up on a step and James and uh Falk actually had to climb up to find Patricia's actual body so, Falk jumped down from that step, grabbed his female companion that was hiking with him, and another companion that was in that same group, because Falk was one of six. So, he got those two to run down the trail, literally run down the trail for, I to think they help. said, like, five or six miles. I didn't write that down. To go get help. Okay. So, Falk was away from James and Patricia's body for less than, he stated a couple minutes, like, at least three to five minutes. Okay turned around and James had already uh, pulled up Patricia's pants 
from when she had like slid down the mountain up her pants yeah because she like slid down the mountain so her pants you know slid off as she was sliding down and he noticed that that was kind of odd that you know he was away from her totally calm the only thing he did was pull up her pants it's also odd that her upper body upper body was completely exposed why were her pants down though? Like I she know what you're the saying, hill. but so her pants fell all the way. That just seems. Cause a she odd. had shorts on. She had like hiking shorts on. Okay. I guess I don't know. That's. I what... mean, girls' shorts are tight. <laughs> That's very true. But this is a 36-year-old woman. Anyways. Still weird. That was the only he he kind of felt that that was odd, and honestly, what I thought was odd when National Park Services, the special agents, the ones that were investigating. As they showed up, they actually initially mistook Falk for Patricia's husband. Wow. Stated from one of the agents, she said that I almost went directly to Mr. Falk, adding that he seemed much more upset and worried about Patricia. Wow. At first, Rangers didn't recognize the severity of the situation. So once they got there, they all kind of looked at, or once the, uh, the, Park Rangers? No, not the Park Rangers, but the two that actually went to go summon the Park Rangers. Yeah. Once they got there and said, hey, somebody fell off the um, observation trail, all the Rangers kind of were like, looked at each other and they're like, "Uh, nobody falls off the observation trail. Like, that is, you know, unheard of, really, because within 30 years, they stated, um, there had been no accidents, actually, either fatal or otherwise, that happened on the observation trail. So they didn't, you know, they didn't take it very seriously at first. But I wonder why that is. Is it just that it's a safe trail that doesn't have super it's actually, high? No, it's it's got some steep inclines, but it's paved and it's blasted into the side of the mountain top. So it's like the Yosemite paved trail. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it's not uneven. It's not rocky. I mean, it, it it there's got uneven parts. I mean, come on, it's well. Uh, I mean, compared to a, a yeah, hiking field, yeah, and it's pretty wide too. I mean, it's the observation trail. They stated that it was you know one of the bigger trails in uh, Zion, and okay. more or not really biggest, but most traveled okay. or tourists go to. Um, and as the park rangers conducted their search they actually kind of did review the park records and it showed no accidents on the trail for the past 30 years fatal or otherwise so i'm going to kind of paint a picture here with a little bit of a background before the zion trip so a neighbor patty wilmot said that the uh, couple james and patricia took an extended trip to south uh, Southern California, and when they came back, Patricia actually was a little bit off. So, a little backstory on Patricia. She comes from, she was born and raised in San Diego. So, meaning that that Southern California trip probably meant that the couple went to go see Patricia's family. Okay. And Patricia came back a little uneasy she didn't seem very friendly she was always irritated and agitated and uh actually patty stated in one of her testify or <laughs> one of the testify i testify uh, yeah, i testify to my neighbor now you hear she was agitated when she came home from that trip 
How long are you going to keep it up? I could keep it up this whole goddamn store if you want me to, girl. <laughs> Don't good. test me. I'm all good. right, all right. <laughs> and that might explain, like, easily because during the case, William, uh, William Hetner was an investigator for the U.S. Com... Commodities, baby. Commodities. <laughs> oh, my Feature, God. Features Trading And what does that mean? Anyways, I have no idea <laughs> at this point. Said that James lost large sums of money trading stocks between January 1995 and April 30th, 1997. James lost more than $70,000 in future tra- or future Ooh, trades. That's not good. But he also lost another 1000 in other transactions. That's $80,000 that he lost so 10, in 000. two years. Huh? You said another 1000 Another 10000 No. I mean, yeah, sorry. $71,000 okay. lost in another transaction. That's Oh, that's $70,000 lost in two years. You would fucking kill me if I lost $10. Are you kidding me? I would be so mad. I would beat you over the head. Granted, I'm assuming that they come from good money, but still, $71,000 in two years. And he's supposed to be a stockbroker. He's supposed. This is supposed to be his job. So that's job. his thing. That's his thing. How the fuck do you lose that much money? Well, I will say. And not say... have a backup. Investments do go up and down, and they can be really volatile. But especially if that is his industry and he does that for a living, he yeah. But my my thing was that Patricia must have not known. You know what I mean? Like he must have not have been communicating. Hey, I'm going to risk seventy one thousand dollars of our money on these Probably, investments. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Because oh, it be wasn't so sta- it wasn't stating that he lost other companies' money or anything like that. Like he was on the hook. I mean, it just said that he lost that money. That mm-hmm. was his money, and he lost it. Which I, like I said, you would fucking kill me if Your I lost ten dollars. My purse. It, well, they are. <laughs> I was gonna say that too. <laughs> but, anyways, none of you guys heard that shit. So, uh, their neighbor, neighbor, their neighbor, their neighbor, mm-hmm, neighbor, their neighbor, <laughs> Patty, also recalled that the weeks before Patricia's death. James seemed very angry, but after he returned from his trip to Utah without Patricia, his anger just had vanished. After she was dead? After she was dead, he was just totally fine. He was totally happy. He was totally cool. Okay. James Wilmot, which is uh, Patty's husband, said that he found some of Patricia's memorabilia honoring her athletic achievements dumped in the garbage (gasps) can in front of her home. Number one thing that popped out to me is why the fuck was neighbor in the trash? But thank God that he was, but that's kind of just Oh my odd. God. And this was after James returned home without his wife that he found this. And it was like three months after. Did so it wasn't like immediately after, but at the same time, why would you throw away her? You would never do that. No, her memorabilia. And let me guess. And it was like some really important stuff. Let me guess, let me guess. He had a bunch of life insurance taken out on her. Uh, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> we will get there. This shit always goes the same way. It does. It does. So let's recap. <laughs> James lost a bunch of money on investments, and it seems that the couple were having problems before the trip. And after Patricia's death, we got James throwing away all of her shit, which right. all this does not help James whatsoever. This dude just looks like a jackass. The other crazier thing is, is I come from a 
big Navy family. I mean, I think I'm the only male in my family that is not Navy or military correct. at all. Yeah. Con, con, you know, at all, which, period. thank God. Yeah, which I don't... Not... I, I come from a Navy background in my family, too. I am not poo-pooing the Navy at all. It would just be very emotionally taxing for my husband to be deployed. That's all I was saying. Absolutely. To plus, clarify. Plus, the war that was going on at the time that what? I'd be enlisting is bullshit. Bullshit! <laughs> no. We wanted to be... A su- Anyways... That's, I'm not, this is not a political exactly, podcast. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> As she pours more wine. So, the neighbor going through the trash was a little bit weird, but at the same time, really good. The neighbor was it weird shows, or weirded out? No, the neighbor going through their trash. The stuff was thrown in the trash can. The that trash would be can me. Really? Yeah, if I thought my neighbor murdered his wife, I would go through his garbage. They never stated that they thought that he murdered her. They just observed all these things. Then why would he be going through this dude's trash? Yeah, that's true. Actually, I didn't even, didn't even put it into that perspective. But also, to add to the Get neighbor... Get on my level. Yeah, to add to the neighbor's speci- uh, suspicion... Thank you, Jack Daniels, <laughs> old number seven. Uh, within 24 hours of learning about Patricia's death, her eldest sister, Caroline Howard Jones already had questions about whether or not she was a victim of an accident or murdered. Okay, that's a Patricia's something. family didn't like James. During the uh, during a conversation with detectives, Caroline was asked if she thought her sister was a victim of an accident to which she responded, "I could not say and I could not say no." Or I could not say yes and I could not say no. Sorry, again, Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. A week later, after that statement, she said she refused to let her sister's husband, James, stay at her Oceanside, California home during the weekend of her sister's memorial service. That speaks volumes right there. And Oceanside, San Diego, these people are affluent as fuck. Oh, yeah. You'll, but you'll, that, that you'll does see. say a lot. Just let me that keep reading. I you can fucking see. comment. You can, but job. did I interrupt you during your story? Absolutely not. It's called having... Bullshit and booze and yeah. true crime talks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hence our title. Anyways, continue. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, that was during her memorial service that her sister refused to let her husband stay there. And she said that I told him I did not feel comfortable because of all the questions that I had about Patty's death. Fair. Meaning that this girl did not like James whatsoever and immediately was like, oh, this motherfucker killed my sister. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But also, there's a twist. There's another thing to it, which it kind of swayed me when I was reading the case. And honestly, it, it once I got. You? Yeah, what did I say? Swayed? Persuaded me. Okay. But when I got to the end of it, then that was when I was like, ah, oh, this. This just all fucked. So, uh, back to the Zion trip. It was allegedly planned by James as a second honeymoon for the couple. That's what was told to all the family and friends, as well as the couple's young boys, who during the trip were with James' parents and Iloni. Oh, wow. Iloni. Ilonese! Yeah! Fucking Ilonese! God damn it! Oh my god. So, James was a former Navy officer, and he, the authorities pretty much said that he killed her in Zion in order to collect a 
a one and a quarter million dollar, yeah. Ding fucking ding yeah, ding. Insurance policy, but it also inherited his or took his wife's inheritance of their real estate holdings in Carlsbad based ta- uh, Tobu Estatement Partnership, meaning that they are her from interest in that her heritage, family heritage, or whatever you want to say is. That's where it came from. It was one point two or one and a quarter million dollars. So he was, has absolutely no reason yeah, to murder his two hundred and fifty thousand two hundred and fifty thousand dollar insurance policy was taken out on both of them and they were both signed as beneficiaries. You said it was two point it is two hundred and fifty thousand dollar insurance policy as well as her family inheritance and the real estate holdings. You said Meaning the that, insurance policy was two point two five though. I thought. No. What I was saying was Patricia named her husband as a beneficiary on more than $1.25 million in life insurance policies and family real estate holdings. Gotcha. And that was the Carlsbad-based Tobu Estatement Partnership. Okay. Investment Partnership, sorry. And, uh... That I mean, that's a big sum. That would cover his eighty thousand dollars lost and oh, I more than about that. that. I mean, more than that. So, it, depending on if it was his own money that he lost or if it was something that he had to get back. So, the trial was actually only three weeks long, and the craziest part was the the pretty much the courtroom from all the people that are listed. The courtroom took a field trip. The jury, lawyers, reporters, U.S. District yes, 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 Judge yes, yes, yes. David Sam spent a day hiking the observation trail. That is literally like my dream. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> before they actually could get there, and before actually a de- homicide detective could get there, it was nine days. Why? It just what happened, and how? Uh, I have no idea. I don't know how it happened, but I do know Research. what happened. I do know what happened was was national parks. They kind of warned tourists they didn't close down the trail at all so her body was just laying there for 90s obviously not her body what do you mean, was obviously no the park ranger was on scene within like three to four hours but don't say obviously because the the teams who investigate crime scenes well yeah, i guess we'll do it without the park a body services too, is federal though meaning that this case was held federally so fbi fbi didn't know state the investigator was state. But the thing was, was Park Service's special agents did the investigation beforehand. And then the case was turned over okay. to state. Then state kicked it back all the way to feds. So meaning that in federal court, this guy or this jury... This isn't state run, though, this land. So I don't understand why state was involved federal, in it at all. Federally land. Yeah, it's federal land. So shouldn't it have been handed off to the FBI after the park rangers were done with it? Yeah, but, I mean, you can't just trial this man for murder in federal court. He has to be proven without reasonable doubt in state court to hit federal court. And then federal court, then at that point, will have to prove evidence against him to convict him of... Oh my god, that makes me tired just hearing it. Convict him of murder on a federal level. I believe from the research that I did that that is what happened. If there's anybody listening that knows that I'm incorrect... Correct Absolutely, us. correct me, talk shit to me, I don't give a mm-hmm. fuck, because I'm a grown-ass man and I can take it. <laughs> so... By the way, Wade, Wade's a grown-ass man and he can take it. I am. I'm real grown. 
27 years grown. 6'4". Mm-hmm. Cali grown, too. In oh, Fresno. Man. I'm real This tough. motherfucker has Cali grown tattoo. I'm going to tell him. Across his <laughs> entire back with the state of California and then 559 right over where Fresno is. With the star. With a star. Mm-hmm. It's the gayest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, but she knew it was there when she married me, so boom. Hey, it's not on my body. It is not on your body. You're absolutely She chose widely. Don't talk about yourself like that, babe. I'm confident. (laughs) Widely. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Smart ass. So James was actually charged with uh, federal counts of interstate domestic violence Fraud and providing false statements to a federal investigator in connection with the death. And to just let you guys know, interstate domestic violence implies that James planned the killing and brought his wife to southern Utah for that purpose. That mm. holds the possibility of life in prison alone. So he brought her over state lines to... To kill her. Okay, gotcha. And, you know, for, for that purpose of bringing her there to kill her. Right. And that holds life imprisonment by itself. So he was looking at like 127 years in prison if he got con- or if he was convicted. And that's the sad part. He was not convicted. And investigators found uh, drops of blood belonging to Patricia on rocks eight feet below the trail ridge, and the first of many impact marks of her body. Down the canyon terrain 20 feet below. So they think he shoved her. Uh, expert said said that uh, Patricia, if Patricia had been walking along anywhere on that trail and she slipped, tripped, or even just fainted, she would not have fallen over the edge to her death. Evidence at the scene, though, showed uh, abrasions on Patricia's hands uh, where it was consistent with James' version of the events. But prosecution's main piece of physical evidence was a very unusual blood spot found at the scene that had no uh, uh, pers- I guess wasn't persist or consistent? What? Not consistent, but yeah, consistent with like impact marks or anything like that. So it was just one single blood drop that was linked to Patricia. Just out there. Where did you say that was just on, on the, the trail? On the top of the trail, yeah. Okay, that's on weird. the ground. That's exactly. Weird. And they like they stated was you know she had abrasions on her hands, so they obviously could see hand marks on the ground where she tripped and fell. It fell, fell, fail. Yeah. And but this one blood blood drop or blood spot had no connection to an impact or a fall or a trip or anything like that. Weird. So that was their one piece of evidence. One piece of evidence that they had against them. And obviously Patricia's family was very, very unhappy with the circumstances of Patricia's death. And it was very difficult for them to accept that it was an accident. And of course the jury acquitted James of all charges, but that's not, that's not the weirdest part about it. Six months after Patricia's death, her family refused to sign a letter stating that her sister's death was an accident. Her sister's death? Yeah. Or it was... Oh, the sister. The sister, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I don't know if I'm drunk or I misheard you. I'm sorry. No, I probably (laughs) fucked that one up. Yeah. 
Both. True. Let's go with that one. And the family members then challenged the will and filed a lawsuit to prevent any uh, payment, disbursement of funds to James from the family trust. Good. The suit uh, actually states that there was an abundance of evidence against James clearly demonstrating that he killed Patricia and that the killing was felonious, felonious? I can't even fucking felonious? read it. Felonious and intentional. I love that word. I can't fucking read right now. <laughs> right now. Oh, I can't read, period. <laughs> That's very true. The suit asked the court to declare that uh, James intentionally killed his wife and therefore is not entitled to her inheritance. It also states that James has made numerous requests for information from the family attorneys and accountants and asked for the or asked for a declaration that he cannot have those records. The lawsuits uh, cites many reports that the majority of the jurors in the James and Patricia case believed he was guilty of killing his wife, but misunderstood the jury instructions and acquitted James oh, of all God. charges. How is that not a mistrial? The 12 member panel didn't realize they could have a hung jury. What? Yep. Thinking instead that their inability to reach an anonymous verdict of guilt had to result what? in a default acquittal. Only two fucking jurors believed he was innocent out of 12. So That's prosecution 10. can declare that a mistrial. Uh, they didn't. He's acquitted. He's living in well, and the other Illinois thing is the with family... his fucking parents and the two boys now. Fuck that guy. His family is bringing a civil suit against him. So if the civil suit, he's deemed guilty and has to pay out for his civil charges, but then the criminal... So once the family sued James on those terms, he actually sued them back. Oh my god. This guy's a fucking settlement, piece of shit. Which then went to like whatever medi mediation mediation they settled you and your and words kinda, today i don't fucking know meditation yeah meditation <laughs> meditation i have no idea what's going on but they pretty much washed it they said that okay you know we want this james agreed to it james said we i want this they agreed to it and it was a wash so now james is living in illinois with his fucking parents and his two young boys and I couldn't find the young boys that he had with his wife with patricia yeah they were mayor they were married for over a decade for over a decade. Wow. And I honestly think that this guy did. He did take her. They just came back from a trip in Southern California. Why wouldn't you just leave from Southern California to go to Zion? Why come home, then leave? I don't think that he, per se, killed her before he tossed her down there. But I think he probably shoved her off the side. Yeah. After a scuffle. Yeah. And... Because all the reports that I've found were pretty consistent with the two of them stopping for a break because there's actually a couple from texas that were about you know a couple hundred feet down on their descent from the observation trail they passed by the couple as they were walking up and they stated that they actually heard screams and saw rocks falling from the cliff edge as they were walking out as they were leaving the observation trail <sighs> and the male of that group said that they looked up at the same time patricia let go of the edge 
Meaning that if it took him, it took him a couple minutes to process what was going on. Heard this screaming, yeah. probably didn't know it was coming from above him. Saw the rocks, then looked up. Meaning that there's a time gap right there that states: Did James even do anything? Did he did reach he for his wife? Did he yeah. try, or did he actually kick rocks on her and fucking be like, "Bye, bitch"? And devil's advocate, I think this guy did it. I think he at least shoved her off the side. But think about what it would be like to lose your significant other and you weren't at fault for it and then to be federally prosecuted and then civilly prosecuted for it. That would be very yeah. difficult. And state never never stated that they were going to press charges against him. They were actually going to wait until the federal conviction to... If, they, if he got convicted federally of fraud gonna... or anything like that, then yes, they would have trialed him for murder but since he got acquitted they pretty much i guess they pretty much just washed their hands Oof. yeah stating that if he if we couldn't get him in federal then how are we going to get him in state well because in state they have to prove without a reasonable doubt that it was him yeah period yeah but then again the state would have known that only two jurors on a panel of 12 said that he was innocent yeah which makes i mean like Two out of ten? Right. I'd have been like, fuck that. You two, you're out. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah. James, you're going to prison. And I'm going to put you in fucking general population cell fucking B. <laughs> All right, guys. So, before we head out of here today, want to go over a few things. Um, we have been live on Spotify since our first episode, but now we are live on iTunes and the Google Play Store. So, whichever platform is your preference, go listen to us on there. Some social media stuff, go visit our Facebook. It's under Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. Our Instagram is also under Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. And if you have, you know, anything to add to any of these stories, any answers to any of our questions, or any personal, like, creepy stories, hometown murder stories, weird shit found in walls, just... Anything you think that we would enjoy, we've been, or I've been tossing around the idea of doing, like, a listener's um, episode at least once a month if we get enough stories. So if you have something like that, even Paranormal, House is Haunted, send it to me. Our Gmail is going to be booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. And is spelled out. It's not the and symbol. And again, that's booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, guys. Later.